I think the first thing we need to do is discuss fair use. What? Fair use. In terms of fair use, if you're parodying a song, it's fine. There's no no copyright infringement. It's what Weird Al does, right? Oh, okay. Yep. And I bring that up because you don't know this, but I've created a theme song for us. Oh, no. (laughs) And I'm not musically inclined, but the problem is... We aren't the first people I found out after I made it that we're, we're not even the first podcast. I can think of two other podcasts that parody the same Disney thing that I went after. And I'll go over that in just a bit. But Now, did you sing? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. so, With the auto-tuning? Here, listen, <laughs> listen. Here's the thing. If, if Weird Al parody Gangster's Paradise, right? And he did Amish Paradise. Yeah, so this, this is Disney's Paradise. This would essentially be... If somebody then parodied Weird Al and made like Mennonite Paradise. Okay. But then I came along and I did Presbyterian Paradise and I parodied a parody to parody because there's already other podcasts that have tried to do what I've just done. Here we go. Episode one of... To all Disney adults and morbidly curious casuals, we proudly present our spectacular festival pageant of theme park ramblings and peculiar opinions in thousands of seconds of average quality sounds of Mice and Matterhorns podcast. Hello and welcome to episode one of of Mice and Matterhorns podcast, where we revel alongside and unravel the mystery of Disney adults. I'm your host, Daniel Robinson, along with Shannon Robinson. So that's it. That's that's our current theme song right now. Um, You know, I don't get like uh, emotional about things or anything. I'm crying right now. This is like the closest I've gotten to that in a long time. So good job. It's very emotional. You're not even as attached to that uh, electric light no, frame as I am. but you are. And I am. We That's, got to see it. That is so sweet of you. Thank you. Yeah, Of Mice and Matterhorns is the name of our podcast. We kind of went back and forth. We threw it out there to Facebook, Instagram. The one that was winning was... Of Mouse Ears and Matterhorns. Mouse Ears and Matterhorns. Mouse Ears and Matterhorns. And then someone suggested Of Mice and Matterhorns, and that really resonated with me and stuck, and I liked it. So I worked on album art, and I made this little silly theme song, and that's what we are, of Mice and Matterhorns. And uh, he won me over. With the tagline of reveling alongside and unraveling the mystery of Disney adults. And the idea is we take a look at Disney products, Disney parks specifically, and we try to... Discuss. Disney adults, Disney adults are the way that they are. Would you consider us Disney adults? I mean, we at least have kids to bring along. So Yeah, we've got our justifications. So we definitely justify it through them. Our last five-day trip was without them. And our, and our next, next one is, <laughs> is going to be without them. So listen, there's a lot of connotations that go along with that. And there are a lot of people that I know that do not understand why there's such a, a um, infatuation with the Disney parks. I will say that the, the TikToks or um, short clips that I have seen that reference it as being good therapy um i have to agree with expensive that expensive therapy it's expensive yes but i do i do agree that there is an aspect as someone who struggles with different things at times planning trips going on trips can help to alleviate the seriousness of life so here's the deal this is what i tell people that ask me why i like disneyland so much one 
it's a shared hobby between the two of us. But two, you know me, you know that I'm super into board games. I'm super, I'm pretty into RPGs. I've been in a D&D group for a long period of time. Going to Disneyland is essentially live action role playing, right? Like you give yourself over to their magic. I do that. Like that's, that's one of my hobbies. And the fact that I now have a hobby that I can share that with you and with the kids is super cool to me. I know, I know that that is not actually a giant mouse, that that's a man in a rat suit. (laughs) But I can, you know, for a small period of time, say, okay, that's a giant chipmunk over there, and I want to go talk to him and give him a big old hug. Yeah, and for me, I know Disneyland, and I know California Adventure fairly well. And so going on vacation there, it's so familiar, and it's easier for me because with younger kids it's hard to go on vacation because you don't always know what the food is or what you can do to entertain them or how you're going to keep them busy but when you go to Disneyland it's all right there and it just makes my vacation because I plan all our vacations I plan every aspect of it and so it makes my life so much simpler to just be like we're going to Disneyland the closest thing that I can think of, and I experience this occasionally when I go to um, PAX West with some friends of mine, is you go to PAX West, which is the Penny Arcade Expo. It's a giant video game, board game, gaming convention. And when you get to downtown Seattle and you're you're there with all the people that are that share that common interest with you, and there are signs over, all over the place that, that say, welcome home, right? Yeah. None of us live in Seattle. Hmm. We're from all over the country, sometimes all over the world, but there's that shared familiarity. That's, I think, what we get when we go to Disneyland. It's It's all self-contained. The food is there. The entertainment is there. You pay before you get there, so you've forgotten what you paid to even get in. So then you just start spending money once you're in. Back to our agenda. Disney daydreams. Is there anything in particular Disney-related that has piqued your interest in the last little bit? There was a, a recent update with Tiana's Palace and that some of, is it called Scrim, is yeah. coming down. And so you can see more of it. And it looks like they're getting closer to being done, which are supposed to be done sometime by the end of this year. Um, We have for sure one trip planned in November and potentially a very short one um, at the end of September. Um, So I'm hoping that we will hit Tiana's Palace on one of those trips. I'm very excited. I have my... Tiana Backpack. Can we say brand names? Yeah, we can say Loungefly. They'll sponsor us, hopefully. <laughs> so I have my Tiana Loungefly Backpack. It's the princess line, so it's all sequins. So I have that all lined up and ready to wear. So I'm very excited for their opening. Yeah, so Tiana's is a Cajun-themed restaurant opening up in Disneyland in an area called the French Market. No, I'm sorry. It's not called the French Market. It's it the New Orleans the- Square. And the restaurant was called the French Market, mm-hmm. and it has been completely uh, rethemed to Tiana's Palace, which is going to go hand in hand with the new Splash Mountain. So my Disney daydream is my cake-worthy Disneyland t-shirt or Disney t-shirt. It's got a series of different characters on it. It's very vibrant, very busy, and I got a nice large size for it. Extra, extra large, actually. Yeah, I'm really excited to have this uh, very loud Disney shirt. I'm I'm a big fan of loud clothes, as you know. Uh, I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah. After seeing that Popsicle shirt for the last 10 years. H&M had 
a, an unbelievable clearance item. I think I got that shirt for $3. It's lasted 10 years. It's incredibly thin and comfortable and form-fitting. It's not form-fitting. It's like a box. It fits my form. <laughs> I'm a pretty boxy person. Um, uh, there was an instance where we ran into someone that was wearing the exact same shirt at Downtown Disney, which was... I can't remember if you made eye contact with them. I was flabbergasted. Uh, speaking of Downtown Disney, that's our next thing we're going to talk about is we're going to do a stroll through the park. We're going to go through Disneyland and California Adventure, at least in the first few episodes here. We're going to go, we're going to go section by section and uh, just talk about it. Downtown Disney, what is it? It is like a, a strip mall. Downtown Disney a is like a big strip mall. high class strip mall. It is. It tries to be an extension of the Disneyland Park, I believe, is what it feels like, at least at first. Now, I believe the other Disney parks have something similar to this. Right. Disney World. Yeah, they all do, don't they? They do. Most, if not all the parks. But that's not... That's not crazy because Universal Studios has something similar. Even Knott's Berry Farm in Southern California has something similar. It's not nearly as extensive as either Universal Studios City Walk or Downtown Disney. But the idea is this retail space outside of the park that you can enjoy without needing an actual park admission. You do have to pay exuberant prices for parking. But Downtown Disney specifically, it's like I an think outdoor it's like strip ten dollars as long as you exuberantly bought something. Exuberantly expensive. The hotel at the far end, and what is it? What would you say? A quarter mile. Until the park entrance? No, it's more than that. I think it's like a half mile. <laughs> I've a never third mile. cared to look this Downtown up. Disney is one third mile from... No, <laughs> don't, don't say because you don't know. It's 100% certain. No. Guaranteed. Just cut all that's that a, out because that's That's, <laughs> that's a, a mice and Matterhorns guarantee. Stop. Okay, it is saying it's an 11 minute walk. Okay, but how many, would you say it's a third mile, one third well, mile? Well, it doesn't take me 11 minutes to walk a third of a mile. <laughs> so it's two miles. Let's say roughly half a mile. It's, it's about a half a mile of retail space. And in there is a bunch of high-end stores and restaurants. There's like a bowling alley. We don't do a lot in downtown Disney. What's your initial reaction with it? Like if it... If we go to downtown Disney, the things that stick out to me are the music that's playing over the loudspeakers and the fact that we are close to the park. Downtown Disney, I go to World of Disney to find merchandise. They usually like the day before that we're going to get into the parks. We will either fly in or have been visiting your family and drive up. Um, and so we have like an evening before we go to the parks the next day. It's a it's an appetite wetter. Yeah. So it's like our appetizer. It, it it prepares you so for the magic to come. We just and like when we went in um, January of this year, we went to Downtown Disney into the Esplanade that night. After we, our parents picked us up, we had dinner with them, and then we went to Downtown Disney. We got a picture in the Esplanade in front of the hundred year sign, Disney California Adventure, and then we walked through World of Disney. And I'm pretty sure that's where I got the black sweatshirt, the 100-year one for my mom. And I got the purple Minnie Mouse one for me because your parents were very nice and gave me a birthday gift of a Disney gift card because they know me. <laughs> and they know that's pretty much all I want is money for Disneyland. Yeah, I mean, World of Disney is like the main thing in downtown Disney that I go to. I know where the bathrooms are and I know where the Star Wars store is and the Lego store and Salt and Straw. 
but I've never gotten anything there. And that is about it. Yeah, the whole retail space is a bit of a mystery to me. Like a lot of people really enjoy downtown Disney and there are specific restaurants that they like. The Jazz Kitchen has, I've never actually eaten there, but they've got the Beignet Express, which they just recently remodeled. Incredible beignets, better than the Disneyland Park. So there's some merits to the fact. I haven't had those. What is the restaurant down at the Disneyland Hotel that you ate at with your mother? That's different. How is that different? Trader Sam's. How is that different? Trader Sam's is essentially an extension of the park itself. And I and I say in that downtown Disney. And here's or is that part of the I, Disneyland Hotel? I want to get it. I think it's technically in the Disneyland Hotel area, but. What I would like to see from downtown Disney, and they're just remodeling it, and it's nothing like what I'd like to see, but the immersion factor. Trader Sam's, when you eat inside there, it is an experience. It is an immersive experience. They yell at you. They spray water at you. It is a super thematic tiki bar that when you go in there, the windows aren't actually windows. They're TV screens that look out at volcanoes. All kinds of cool stuff. How did I not know this? Have you not known this? No. You yeah. didn't tell me that at all. I tried to go in there and I was like, I even went with my mom last time. I was like, look, I re- like, I've never been to Trader Sam's. I've only been the one time with my mom. So I told her, I really, I would love to get like a Mai Tai or a cool one of the tiki drinks. And she said, no alcohol. So I got ramen instead. <laughs> um, so, For our purposes, I would say Trader Sam's is downtown Disney. I'd say Trader Sam's is downtown Disney, too. I would also say the Star Wars Trading Post, I mean, obviously, is downtown Disney and is also incredibly immersive and thematic, right? Like, you go in there and you're buying similar things, if not the same thing that you can buy in Galaxy's Edge, which is the most immersive park, the most immersive area in Disneyland. I would like to see that extension extend further into downtown Disney. Like, I want... To me, I don't understand why there's a trading card. Like, Love Pop has some cool trading card or trading cards... Uh, greeting cards. Sephora is there. There's a soccer place. Like, that's fine. And maybe it makes enough money that it's justifiable. And maybe some of the restaurants are good. But I want the restaurants to be a little more... So hold on just a second. Just a second. (laughs) They maybe make enough money that it's justifiable. Yeah, maybe it's justifiable to them. Maybe (laughs) it's to the bottom line. But as a a consumer, as someone that goes to Disneyland for the magic, I want something a little bit more. This is why you can never own your own business. Well, here's the thing. When Imagineers talk about their blue sky ideas, right? They've got like their pie in the sky, something really cool that they'd want. I have my own similar ideas for downtown Disney. I think I think Imagineers are a little more, more optimistic, though. Well, that's it. Their and blue sky is optimism. You're, hear me you're, out. You're a Debbie Downer. I'm not because I've got some great ideas. Disney owns a good portion of Hulu and they own some adult um, franchises after buying out Fox. I think that downtown Disney should be the prelude to the park and should encourage people to go into the park where the magic is. And if that includes maybe frightening them a little bit, my, my ideas are not blue sky. They're more of um, a darker crimson sky type of type of ideas. Let me. The areas there should be just as immersive as Star Wars Trading Post and Trader Sam's. And you you see, here's why you can never own your own business, because you do not understand that Disney wants to end in the black. Downtown Disney costs nothing to get into. Right. Right. But they would have to put a whole lot of money into making it immersive. Well, maybe they can add a few characters. How hard would it be to have a few characters from some of their Fox 
or um well the, how much does a character make in a year at least forty thousand dollars i would be you drawn- throw in a few characters you're over two hundred thousand dollars because then they also have yeah. to have their cast member that walks around with them we went to free comic book day in everett and there was a guy in a pikachu costume for the local comic yeah, book store for all we know he was a creep we have no idea our kids gave him a big old hug and nothing happened uh, so, yeah because we were staying right there listen, i'm just saying for the bottom line I'm saying they make maybe they take a couple of those restaurants and they add a few thematic flares. You oh, ca- you, you know what? It's called Goofy's Kitchen. Right. So that's another <laughs> extension of Downtown Disney that they got right, but they could continue to do that. They could take make an Italian restaurant and maybe someone in there has a chest burster from Alien pop out of them. Right? Like there are um, Alien Predator. <laughs> This is exciting. No, this is so boring. My thoughts for Downtown Disney is simply that it should be a little more immersive. I think every aspect should be just as exciting as the Star Wars Trading Post and Trader Sam's. This is so boring. (laughs) You are so pessimistic. Am I? Yes. I love Downtown Disney. I can't keep doing this. Do you consider the hotels Downtown Disney? I do only because I have never stayed in them, so I don't feel like we can talk about them as hotels. Yeah. So as far as the hotels go, um, I have used, I have walked to the Disneyland Hotel because they have a gift shop or like a, a, a Disneyland shop with a lot of the same merchandise that you can find in the parks or in World of Disney. And so there's been two times when I have walked all the way down there to find merchandise that is sold out in the parks and to find it down at the Disneyland Hotel because the there are not as many people going that far. It's usually just hotel guests. And so if you can't find something, so I found the um, 100 Year Ears. It was their second version. It had the purple bow. It has a 100 on a button on the front of the bow. I walked all the way down there to find them because everywhere else was sold out. Yeah, Disneyland has a lot of merchandise hunt, hunting, or Disney parks in general. Goofy's Kitchen, we hope to visit that sometime next year uh, with our kids because it's a character dining experience. And I remember as a kid thinking that would be so cool to do. I can't remember if it was Goofy's Kitchen or something, if it was named something different back then, but it had characters that would come out while you were eating and interact with you at the tables. And then there's Storytellers Cafe that we have been to. Yeah, Storytellers Cafe was probably the best buffet that I've ever had in my life. Maybe that's not saying much <laughs> in terms of the fact that it's a buffet. Um, but we went there for... For the price, it had better be the best buffet you've ever Yeah, it was a little pricey, at. but we, we got nice seats to something. World of Color. World of Color for um, the 100 year. And it had the Lunar New Year intro a little pre-show well. so world of color again for those of you that don't know world of color is the water and light show with lots of projections at disney california adventure yeah so downtown disney school i think if they added maybe a little more of their their properties their intellectual properties be that the fly predator alien cabinet of dr calgary i think there's lots of options there um but there's a lot of fun so i mentioned it earlier but we do um head to the esplanade usually the night before we're gonna go to the parks and it's just really fun to go and walk around and hear the music and maybe get pictures in front of the parks because who knows if there's going to be time the next day to do that. Yeah, just to to 
feel all the feels. And that's usually one of the times where I will tear up, which is very unusual for me. (laughs) But it's to walk into that area after being away from it, especially in 22 when we went. And it had been two years since we had gone because of the pandemic. And to walk in there and just for it to hit of how long we had been gone. I say this in the the best possible way. The Esplanade, which is a giant holding area between the two parks, Disney, the entrance to Disney California Adventure and the entrance to Disneyland. It's a giant holding area where people get in line, but they blast music. It is essentially emotional propaganda. And I mean that in the best possible way. Like that's all Disneyland. That's what Disneyland has going for it. It is nostalgia. It is emotional propaganda. And it is the best. Like it helps you buy into it. That is why there are Disney adults. Also, I listen to a Disney Esplanade playlist while I work a lot of the time. Yeah. And they, I mean, there's deep cuts from your childhood, right? Like we go there and I, I'm like, hey, this is Fortuosity from The Happiest Millionaire. And the fact that all of a sudden I'm hearing this music from this obscure movie that I watched growing up from the 60s. I didn't grow up in the 60s. I'm pretty young. The movie is from the 60s. The movie is from the 60s. It prepares you and entices you to explore further, which we'll do in the next episode when we head into Disneyland Park. Disneyland's nickname is the happiest place on earth. And kids go there and it's a wonderful time. I know for a fact that the two of us, that wasn't always the case, especially when we were children. Is there anything in particular that when you went to Disneyland when you were younger... That wasn't magical. The Peter Pan ride is what I remember being the most scared of. And I don't recall a lot of the other rides or what we did. But Peter Pan was so scary and I was crying so much. And I remember my mom pointing out that we could see the floor from the boat that we were flying in and that we weren't really up in the sky. So it was okay. And I remember just, I think my sister was in the boat with us and was like, Well, that ruined it for me. (laughs) Yeah. Peter Pan is a ride that uses forced perspective. So it feels like the the ship that you're on, all of a sudden you're way up in the sky over London. Really, it's small, tiny lights. And and it's just, it's a forced perspective. It's a ride that's been open since 1955 when the park opened. So I do, I do love the Peter Pan ride now. I do too. Oh, and I think Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. I did not like that. It was very hot and it was very scary. The thought of going to hell was just yeah, terrifying. Uh, that one was one that I cried on. Me and my little sister Julie went on it and I was um, in tears because, well, we got hit by a train and ended up being chased by little devils. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was afraid of everything. Most things. Peter Pan I wasn't afraid of. I was afraid of the Matterhorn. Freaked me out. I told my dad I didn't want to go on it again unless we were going to run over and kill the Yeti, which he assured me we would. And we didn't. Disneyland offered a lot of opportunities for me to be afraid. None so much so as the Astro Orbiters. Or I think there was the rocket ship ride in the 90s. You were afraid of that? Terrified. I uh, actually liked that one. Yeah. Now, the problem with that my one. My mom was terrified of it because she it was her, me, and my little sister in it. And she thought her legs were going to break because we were all crammed in there. And she didn't think that... Her leg could bend the way it was being bent. Astro Orbiters or the rocket ship ride or whatever it's been called throughout the years is a ride where you're in a rocket and you kind of spin and you can choose the height of your your vehicle. It just spins 
in a big well, circle you can on adjust a central thing. Yeah, you can adjust the height. We were on the ride and I didn't, I was afraid of everything. So obviously I was going low. The problem was when you went low, it sort of tilted to the left a little bit. And it felt, you know, you were leaning against the side of the, the car. Well, I assumed that that was really strong G-force and we were going to be flung out of the car. <laughs> and so I remember Julie yelled, we're going to fly out. And I was crying saying, I know, <laughs> because I knew that this was it. We were going to die that day. Did you eat in the parks? Like when you went with your family, did you pack food in or did you did you eat at any, any of the restaurants? When we went when I was seven, I do not remember at all. I know we we stayed in a trailer that time. So I do remember going back in the afternoons and we would swim at the pool. So if, Did you have access to the, to the Disneyland hotel pools or was there... So I have stayed at a Disneyland property. I have not stayed at any of the hotels. You guys must be rich. But I have stayed at a Disneyland property because when we went, when I was seven, where the parking garage is now, Disneyland had an RV park. This is not something I even knew having grown up 20 minutes from Disneyland. So we drove our trailer down to the RV park and it's the Disneyland RV park. They had a nice pool. I don't really remember a whole lot else for the RV park. I remember walking through the campground and there was like these little spiky balls that were falling from the tree. So we just knew not to step on them because they would get stuck in our flip-flops. Yeah, my brother used to break those open and shove it down my shirt. Oh, He'd wow. call it itching powder. Yeah. So I remember those and just having to walk around a lot of those. But because it was a Disneyland property, we could have gone to the Disneyland pool. And so my mom has mentioned it a couple of times since then that she regrets not having taken us to the Disneyland Hotel water park since we were part of the so property. The, it was an actual, it was part of, it was a Disney run property. It was oh, a yes. Disney owned property. Yes. And then they grazed it and put up a parking lot. So the. They um, paved paradise. The paved paradise. Every time lot. I hear that song, <laughs> I think of the Disneyland RV park. Well, that's what it was written about. Did you I, know that? I wouldn't be surprised because <laughs> that's how I feel. <laughs> My mom made sure we had, even though I cried, the most magical experience that we could possibly have at Disneyland. I do not have photo albums of me growing up. But I do have an autograph book of me with Disney characters. <laughs> My mom made sure to make that happen. But I do not have family photos of me growing up. <laughs> Did we answer the eating part? No. Oh, let's go back to the eating part. So eating in the park. So I do not remember when I was seven. But anyway, eating in the parks when I was older was often splitting meals. We did not snack in the park. So we did never we never bought snacks, but we did eat our meals in the park, not breakfast. Breakfast was always back wherever we were seeing. Okay. But lunch for sure was split. So my mom and I would usually share a meal. Then my other two sisters would either get their own or share. And then my dad would get his own. And so we would either go to the Rancho del Zocalo Restaurante and my mom and I would get the taco salad and we would split it. Now, mind you, I was much smaller than I am today. <laughs> hey, you know that restaurant, Rancho del Zocalo, I think it used to be called something else, but essentially it was a Mexican restaurant before. Yes. Do you know a fun fact about that? Have I told you this? I'd probably not. Doritos was invented there. Oh, yes. You have told me that. Doritos was invented in Disneyland. Yep. They took old chips and added seasoning to them. <laughs> Day old chips. That's why they're so amazing. Mm -hmm. Or if we went to the Royal Street Veranda, we would each get our own bread bowl and soup. 
Or we wow. would go to the Harbor Galley. I think actually we went to the Harbor Galley more than we went to Royal. Bread Royal. bowl and soup was the first meal I saw you eat in Disneyland. <laughs> Speaking of meals. Yes. And it was something else, huh? You really got your money's worth out of that bread bowl. You don't leave anything. And I have an overbite. Gumbo running down. <laughs> I have an overbite. You I do cannot, not. You're perfect. I can, okay. My lower jaw is too small. That's why I have an overbite. I cannot bite bread. You so gave it your I best had shot. to use a plastic fork and knife. But once your plastic fork starts breaking, you have to use your hands. <laughs> All I'm saying is you look like you really enjoyed it. Well, I pulled a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I'd taken from the cafeteria at college and an Abba Zabba bar and ate that. Oh, there was. We would go to because we would typically go to Disneyland in July. My dad's birthday is in July. So we would go to the Plaza Inn and get the chicken dinner. My dad would get his own and usually would hand out some of the extra chicken. And then That's a good dinner. And then my mom and I would split and my two sisters would split and we would eat there. And I think we did that at least on two of the trips. So what was your food experience in the park? My food experience was up? you know what I remember about most theme parks? And it could be that we we were like I, I mentioned in the episode zero, we did Knott's Berry Farm more than Disneyland. And maybe it was just a Knott's Berry Farm thing, but I remember we'd pack our snacks and leave them in the car so we'd have to go back to the car to eat lunch a lot of times. Well, back then you weren't allowed to bring food into the park. So maybe that's what it was. We'd have to go back to our big van and eat there for snacks because we would we ate at Knott's Berry Farm once a year. Right. And so if we did go to Disneyland, we weren't eating in the park, not as a family, but Knott's Berry Farm was the Wild West. It was cheaper. My dad would bring in a knife to Knott's Berry Farm to get sharpened every year, every time we went there. Can't really do, you can't really do that nowadays. No, I mean, I remember going to Marine World way back when, and my dad forgot he had a pocket knife and they made him throw it away. Yeah. And he was so distraught. No, no, it was, it was an annual thing. My dad would bring his nice pocket knife into Knott's Berry Farm to get sharpened. So when we went to Disneyland, it was all packed in. We're talking all the way up through college. I remember I was a little peckish on Pirates of the Caribbean. And I thought, I'm going to have my peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I always had packed in my backpack. And I started eating it. The drop happened and my sandwich got a little soggy. So probably for the rest of my life, Pirates of the Caribbean is a part of me because I have, I've drank some of that water. Some I'm pretty of that sure water, you pee that out by now. Which is, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why my immune system is the way it is. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of packing in food. One thing that I do think would be cool to do is to take letters from listeners. So if you have letters, if you have any questions or anything you'd like to ask, or even any comments, email us at ofmiceandmatterhorns at gmail.com. It's our current email address. Questions, comments, anything you'd like, send that there, and, and you may get your letter read right here on the air. So go ahead and read the first one that we've gotten. Dear Mice and Matterhorns, thank you for all you do. I've loved the show from the very first episode. My question is, if you were on death row and could request a meal comprised of a main course, a side, and a dessert, all coming from a Disney park, what would you choose? No beverage. Due to state budget cuts, you will just get water. Also, you were innocent, but no one will know that until a successful true crime podcast digs deeper into your case. Mouseful of yours, Caroline Kremp from Chatterport, Tennessee. So, thank you for sending that in, Caroline. Also known as Daniel. So if you could request a final meal consisting of a side, a dessert, and a main course from Disneyland or Disney California Adventure, what would you pick? Oh, this is hard. My dessert is the churro toffee. Nope. Scratch that. My dessert's going to be the cream cheese filled Mickey Mouse pretzel. My main course 
is going to be the Berea grilled cheese Ooh. with the tomato soup. Not the tomato soup, the Berea dip, whatever. And my side is going to be some tater tots from Pim's Kitchen, Ooh. Pim's Test Kitchen. Then toss me on the electric chair. I'm good to go. Even though you're innocent, you're just you're going to be full. And... I'll be pretty happy after that. It's a pretty good meal. How about you? Anything that sticks out? So probably the chicken dinner from Plaza Inn. Could that be my main course? Sure. The whole thing. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good choice. <laughs> it's a heck of a choice. So I'm just going to take the whole thing as my main. Green beans or double mashed potatoes? Double mashed potatoes. Okay. Forget the vegetable at that point. What, like, I want to be why? healthy. Double mashed potatoes. I'm going to take a bread bowl with the gumbo. Now hold on. <laughs> hey, you said anything. I am going to. And for my dessert. And my dessert is going to be the clam chowder in the bread bowl. <laughs> I can't eat clam chowder. I guess at that point it won't matter if my stomach hurts. Yeah, you might as well. Dairy. Lobster mac and cheese, baby. <laughs> I hate lobster. Um, For my dessert, lemon chiffon pie. There we go. Yeah, I think I, I, I know that the raspberry macaron, which I cannot remember the actual name of, I said was my favorite dessert. But I think for right now, I would pick... The lemon chiffon pie is my dessert. Sorry, California Adventure. I would crush some Plaza Inn chicken right now. I don't know what that means. I'm too old to understand that. Well, I'm pretty young. Well, I think we've got, uh, I think that's, I think we've got enough to wrap up here. We're getting into the flow of things. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, please, please like, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you could leave us a rating, especially on, especially on Apple Podcasts, it's super important for newer podcasts uh, just getting started out, especially in the first, I think, 30-ish days on Apple Podcasts. Um, that would be fantastic. Uh, if we do get reviews, I'll be sure to read some of the good ones on air if I can manage to do that and figure out how all of that works. We I'm are so glad you can because that is not my area of expertise. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Um, we are on most social media accounts as at of mice and Matterhorns. Uh, that includes TikTok, Threads, Instagram, and I know there's another big one. Facebook. Not on Facebook yet. Maybe we will be. Uh, we're working out all the TikTok. all of that. Yeah, TikTok. That's the other one. TikTok, Threads, Instagram, and that other one that I said that I've already forgotten. Of Mice and Matterhorns. You can find us there. Thank you so much for listening. And have a Disney day. Your attention, please. Of Mice and Matterhorns has now ended its normal operating episode. 
we thank you for your visit to our podcast and hope that the memories that you made will bring you back soon.